Hey folks, welcome to episode 278 of the FLW Bass Fishing Podcast. In Shaftesbury, Vermont, I'm Jody White, joined from uh, Norwalk, Iowa, I hope, by uh, the one and only Kyle Wood. You nailed it as usual, man. Wow. Norwalk, my favorite part of Iowa. Obviously one of the most beautiful scenic sections with the best weather and really the best people. Yeah, yeah. You, you summed it up nicely. And you do every week. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. A lot of people... A lot of people, they think of Iowa, and they think great things, obviously, but Norwalk takes the cake, and uh, of course, <laughs> it's always a pleasure to speak to you, uh, the mayor of Norwalk, Iowa. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, we have, I would say, a good show this week. Uh, we're coming off the Tackle Warehouse title on Sturgeon Bay. It was a marathon. The final day was really off the wall. <laughs> um, <laughs> And uh, it actually was a really good tournament, but we're going to talk about that. Uh, and to lead things off, we're going to have Rusty Seleski on, who won the tournament. And so he'll talk about that. Then, Kyle, you and I will be back. We're going to go into all things title, especially non-Rusty things. Uh, we've got some Toyota Series events to talk about. Uh, some of them are currently going on. It's Wednesday. Things are weird. Um We'll uh, talk about some BFL tournaments, play the Tackle Warehouse game. I know this is long awaited. Uh, and we have an email that we answered in our previously lost recording, which we will now actually answer again. Mm -hmm. I think that covers it, right? I think it does. Well, here is Rusty Seleski. Before we jump into that, I do want to say there's a decent amount of traffic noise because uh, he was driving during the interview. I hope it is listenable. Uh, if not, my deepest regrets. Here's Rusty. Alrighty, and now we are joined by Rusty Seleski, a winner of the Tackle Warehouse title uh, presented by Toyota on Sturgeon Bay. Uh, Rusty, congratulations. Oh, thanks. It means a lot coming from you, Jody, man. We, you know, we see each other on the water occasionally and, uh, uh, you know how hard we work at the stuff, so I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, especially uh, this last week, um, because the final day was absolutely grueling, and uh, really the entire tournament format is its different for all of us, uh, which doesn't make it any easier. I mean, it's kind of nice to have an off day and a break day, uh, but at the same time, it's a really important tournament, and, you know, it's it's hard to change stuff sometimes. Um, but before we dive into that, I want to know, I know you're driving. Where are you? Cause you've got to be working your way back to California, right? Yeah, we could have made it by now, but we, uh, uh Wade Strelick and I were kind of rolling together just in case, you know, anybody has trouble or whatever. And we ended up stopping in uh, Utah and spend the night close to one of his very best friends. We went and had dinner last night. Uh, Andrew Monroe and his, and his wife and kids. We had a great time doing that. And then my wife and I decided we're going to my parents' cabin in Colorado for the rest of the week. So we uh, kind of changed directions, went back east a little bit this morning, and we're heading to Colorado. Cool. Well, I think that is probably a very well-deserved uh, little vacation um, coming off the championship. So that's really cool. Yeah, the weather should be beautiful. I love catching trout out of streams, so 
we're going to go do that for a couple days and uh, head, head home during the weekend. All right. Well, let's talk about smallmouth first. Um, although I might get to, I might dive in on the trout a little bit. Uh, but <laughs> what, um, I guess this last week, first of all, had you ever been to Sturgeon Bay before or was it the whole area kind of new to you? And then, like, after practice, did you think you were on them to do that well? Because, you know, you were obviously on them to win, uh, but it was a long tournament and a different uh, different kind of game. Yeah, so if I missed part of your question, remind me. I'm kind of bad that way, but... That's fine. <laughs> practice was... Practice was... Um, well, let me just run you through it. Day one of practice, I elected to go and fish around the islands to the north. I don't really know the area well, but uh, one of them was called Horseshoe. I launched right by Horseshoe out of the state park, and then I fished a lot around. I want to say they're called Sister Islands, Sister Reef. Yeah, uh, yeah. That yeah. kind of an area. And I even went a little further north than that. Um, can't remember what that stuff was called. And had, um, oh, an 8 to 10 bite day ran into one school that I could actually get multiple bites out of, caught a couple four-and-a-half-pounders, um, got rained out bad at about 6 p.m. Like, I I mean, it was a scary storm, you know, lightning. You know, I, I was, I, I was I there. Kept, I saw it. <laughs> that was mean. You know, so I yeah. actually had to shorten my day. I usually don't run from weather, but I was literally scared of that one. I got out of that mess. It's probably smart on the Great Lakes, too. Yeah, that's what I figured. I don't know, you know, I knew, no one I knew was launched by me, and my phone service was zero. I said, I better get out of here. You know, it's one of those deals. So, uh, let's see, day two, I ran to Little Sturgeon, kind of on a whim. I was going to launch out of Sturgeon, but I'm like, man, you know, I don't know what you do when you're uh, getting ready for a tournament, but when I'm at a new body water, I lay in bed and stare at the map on my phone. And something just made me change my mind and go to Little Sturgeon. It looked fishy down there. It looked like um, I'm always concerned in finding an area that I can get out of multiple different directions of wind mm -hmm. to a certain degree, and that fit the bill. So I practiced down there. And uh, practice was really about the same. I got about eight or ten keeper bites. Uh, one spot I got three bites on. One spot in uh, Big Sturgeon Bay I got one bite but i saw like seven or eight of them on my graph and uh dropped on one on the way out and it was a four pounder so i like that spot a lot and then uh you know then you have to make the big decision where am i going to start because really nothing stuck out to me other than um i liked the the way the wind was going to be blowing which wasn't going to be real bad but i liked uh, little sturgeon bay better um so that's the direction i went and the rest is history. <laughs> well, um, I mean, there's a lot more to the story, of course. Yeah. But I uh, kind of wanted to pause there, see if you wanted to freshen up the question. I could go on and on and on. Um, well, I'm definitely but, in favor uh, of you going on and on. Um, but when after you got done with practice, how did you how did yeah. you feel? I mean, eight to ten fish a day is it's good, but I think uh, like let's see, which day did you regroup? Which group were you? I was group A, so I was out right off the bat. So we didn't really know what we were up against, really. Yeah, you know? that was... I mean, I knew that wasn't the best, because I did run into Spencer Sheffield. I've known that kid for a long time, and man, but every time I run into him, he's he's on him, and he is. 
Uh, oh, yeah, that guy. Making it up. Like, nobody catches him like that kid. He's amazing. I don't think I've. He's not like, even a kid. He's just a kid to me. You know, <laughs> I shouldn't call him a kid because he's a grown man, but he's a lot younger than me, so I call him a kid, you know? Yeah, you look at that final day um, of. Or not the final day, but. Yeah, I guess you look at the final day. I don't know that I've ever seen Spencer Sheffield go that long without catching a bass. Um, like, my mind was literally blown. And that's just how tough it was. Uh, it wasn't that he's suddenly Me stopped knowing how to catch fish I, or something. <laughs> but I thought he maybe had boat troubles or something, to be honest with you. I, mean, I, I remember asking my marshal several times, or my boat official, you know, and he said, no, no fish. Yeah, I was out watching him, and we were bouncing around, you know, quite far from shore, and uh, he was just not catching fish. And I was, I didn't, when I was out in the really rough stuff that morning that of the final day, you know, I was kind of checking the score tracker, but also not, because mostly I was checking the waves. And when I got back into the calm stuff, and I looked at my phone, I was like, holy smokes, well, I was like, well, Spencer can't be doing well. I wonder who is. And it's like, holy smokes, it's Bradford and Rusty, and they're crushing them. Um, what a – but I guess leading up to that final day, going through the tournament, what was your experience like? Uh, how was – like, how was the fishing for you? Did you – did you try 100% the whole time, or were there times where you kind of backed off and saved fish? You know, what was – what was it like? Okay, so I'll start with day one. Day one was a straight grind for me. I didn't, I didn't know what I'd found, and I was not fishing in a manner to, which I learned as as I went on. But I wasn't fishing in a manner to um, take advantage of the areas I did find. So I was basically, I'll tell you how I was fishing on day one. I was basically putting my trolmer on about seventy, and just going down these. I found uh, quite a few little areas that um, were all about the same. They all had little ledges that would go from 8 to 11 was the, was the top, and they'd drop anywhere you know, down to 15, maybe all the way down to 20. Mm -hmm. And um, it seemed like the fish, I, that's where I was getting bit on any of these little breaks I could find. And it wasn't uh, until the tournament, as the tournament progressed, what I realized, like starting on my first spot, Troy Morrow and I ended up trying to start on the same spot. I gave it to him. I went to my next spot. He, he beat me there, and that's just how I am. I'd, I'd rather uh, I'd rather come back when no boats were there. So, anyways, as I kind of went into that first day, I, I, I was slowly realizing that every time I would get a bite, because I would, you know, I'd pull up to an area and I'd go, okay, I have a mark up there about 200 feet, but I know this whole stretch looks the same because I looked at it pretty good on my uh, electronics, and I would just start fishing. And every time I would get a bite, it would be right where my mark was or within a half a cast, if you will. Mm -hmm. So as the tournament progressed, um, talking to Wade helped me a lot, too. He was kind of explaining to me what he thought they were doing, um, at, especially after day one. I, you know, I, I told him what happened to me, and he's like, man, you need to, the next time you get to one of those marks and you get a bite, you need to just spot lock and fish. There's more to it than you think. There's more down there. They're hard to catch, but you got to figure it out. You, so, if you had had kind of, live scope, kind of you would have on, seen but, it. Yes, and I don't. And I was probably. I, I think when it got down to the last day, I think I was maybe the only one, or maybe just two of us didn't have live scope. I I'm think not sure it how was that all shook out. Probably, 
I think it was you and John Cox on the last day. Okay, that, that makes sense. Um, and uh, and I think, in all honesty, Jody, I think that last day, I don't know if LiveScope was any help to those guys. It, it may was, have been a hindrance because they they were looking at it, but they couldn't see much, you know? Yeah, because you're, when, I mean, it's on it's mounted on the trolling motor, and when you're in really rough water, <laughs> the trolling motor's only in the water so much of the time. <laughs> exactly, because even, like, you know, I look at my graph a lot for whatever reason. I don't really know what I'm looking at half time. It's just, that's what we do, right? We're always yeah. glancing at it. But when it's rough like that, even looking at your graphs, it's all a waste of time. Other than getting a rough idea within about four feet what the depth is. Because at any time, my troll motor is four feet higher than it was a second ago, you know? Yeah, and then you can do some math to figure out how big the waves are if you want. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So you just roll, you know, you just kind of roll with that. At that point, you're more locked in, you know the areas, and you're just kind of fishing around. I was, anyways. I was just fishing around. Cool. Um, you know well, how are you? Uh, how are you catching your fish in your, in your areas? Because I know, like... Okay. You were mostly throwing a drop shot, but Strelick, it seems like you basically, it seems like Wade helped you out a lot this week, if, if only as a tackle store. So what was the deal? Uh, it was more than that. He, he's, um, he's, he's a very versatile fisherman. He was giving him a bunch of different looks. I started off the week with a swim bait, small Kitek, my very favorite swim bait to throw. It's a little, uh, the little three incher. And even uh, I even was using a little, uh, I think it was actually a 3.3, and I was using the 2.8 a little bit, but I like that 3.3 best. And I got a few bites on it here and there. And then I also had a Ned rig on a bait caster because I didn't have, I didn't bring uh, hardly any spinning gear. I wish I would have had more. I have a lot at home. I just, I don't like using it, so I didn't bring a lot. And uh, then I had a couple spinning rods going with the drop shot. That was how I was rolling out there. And um, as the tournament progressed, I got down to the last, I think, day, um, let's see, day five is what I'll call it, when we made the 20 cut. Yep. I don't think I hardly made a cast with my uh, bait casters. So when day six came out, and I had, at that point, borrowed some stuff from Wade because I'd broken spinning reels down to one. He gave me a full setup and a reel to borrow. And... Uh, you know, I think everyone knows about all the baits and stuff that I, I took every weight he had. He didn't have much <laughs> left either, but he had enough to get me through the last neck. Took hooks from him. I took baits from him. I took whatever I can get. So by the last day, I was strictly down to a drop shot. But I, I really thought um, I could get some on the, uh, earlier in the week when the sun was out more. There was, I felt like they were suspended more in that swim bait. I caught a few fish on it, and I, and I thought it would play more, but it really didn't. That drop shot's really what I made him bite most of the week. Hmm. How deep were you fishing most of the time? Because I, I, I kept thinking, maybe on the final day especially, but I kept thinking we'd see someone catch him on like a jerk bait or a spinner bait. Like some moving, so you know, reaction type bait. And that just didn't happen. No. And I, as the tournament progressed, I was, I really thought most of my stuff was going to go down around the, 11 to 15, 16 foot range right in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and my best spot, I probably caught my two best like rallies where I would caught maybe, I think one time I caught maybe nine in an hour and a half, which is, you know, for me, that was a lot. 
Mm-hmm. And one other time, I think I caught five or six in about an hour, which is a lot. And both times, though, I was shallow. I was literally, my boat was parked in like 11. And I was, ca- I found out later on that I was, by going up there one time, um, I was literally catching fish out of six feet of water. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, it's surprising. Were, uh, it's think, so and, surprising and in the morning. how key the finesse was. Yeah. Or maybe not yes. surprising, yeah. but it's interesting. No, I'm with you. Without all that weather and stuff, you think a jerk bait or a, a spinner, a bladed bait of some sort, maybe not a spinner bait, might have been too big, but a bladed something would have got their attention and, they, and or, you know, caught some on it anyways. And maybe some guys did. I haven't had a chance to really review all the facts yet. You know, I, I love going through that, going back through that and see how guys caught, caught them, but I've just been on the road. I haven't had a chance to really check it out, you know. Yeah, for sure. It looked... It looked like in the river, or not the river, but in that shipping channel, um, yes. you could catch them on a swim bait pretty well. Uh, like that was for Mitchell, for Jacob Wall, like that was a pretty consistent player. Uh, but okay. as far okay. as the, uh, you know, as far as like the actual, the rest of the lake, I mean, boy, I watched a lot of guys fish and I watched a lot of drop shots get thrown. <laughs> So that yeah. was the deal. Um, what what was it like the final day as you kind of realized you were in the hunt? Um, be, I mean, I guess everybody started in the hunt. You know, you started out at zero. Uh, but at some point, you had well, to know back, that you me, were a few fish away from 200,000. Yes, yes. Um, okay, I'm going to answer. I was going to back up a little bit. I'm going to answer your question directly. I'm sure you'll um, ask more stuff. Uh, it was scary as hell, just to be honest with you. <laughs> like, at first it didn't bother me because I think, I'm trying to remember, one, one of the guys, it might have been, I think it might have been Beavers that jumped out. No, you know what? It wasn't. It was, uh, who was it? Gray Buck started really hot. He caught, like, three Gray big Buck, ones, that's who it was. I think, or four big ones, and yeah, then he, he just went ice cold. Yeah, but he, you know, he he kind of developed the lead, and honestly, that kind of took pressure off me. Now I'm like, okay. You don't have to worry about being the front runner. Just stick to your business. Because I was never the first guy on the score tractor. It always took me a while to find these fish. My area was actually really big. It was like uh, my key area where I caught most of my fish I weighed was a long point, a long kind of shoaly point. I don't know what you might call it, but uh, like 350 feet long probably and 100, 100, probably 350 yards long and 100 yards wide, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I could really, really get a bite almost anywhere on that. And so uh, it took a while to really locate them every day. And once I would locate them, I could usually, that first time I'd locate them, I could catch a group of them, four or five, you know, three, four, five, six, something like that. And uh, so I was never, like, first guy on the score tracker. But when it got nerve-wracking for me, is like I took the lead kind of, I don't know, almost say, like, mid-morning. I don't even know when it was. But I was never, like, running away from it. We were kind of fighting a little. Like, I'd lose the lead. I'd get it back. And then uh, that was fun because I was catching fish. You know, it was middle of the day, no problem. Then the wind just started growing, getting stronger. The direction changed, which started hurting me even more. And uh, I started running out of trolling motor batteries, and I and I just quit catching fish. Really, I just I could not fish clean. I couldn't fish good enough to really catch one. I, wind was just hammering me, and I lost the lead. And you know, so then you're kind of down. You get a little. I mean. I, 
I probably, hopefully I didn't look like I was down, but inside I was a little down. I was struggling. What should I do? Because I had eight or ten other spots around there that all week long I had confidence I could go get one bite. It wasn't like that that area, but I could go get a bite, maybe two. And um, finally, with 30 minutes to go, I just couldn't take it anymore, and I, I did move to one of them that I'd caught. I think I caught a keeper there the day before. Not a big one, like two-something. And maybe on day two of my competition, I caught maybe two over in that general area. So I went over there and uh, immediately got a bite, which helps. I, caught, I think I caught a short like a 114. Then I caught like a three-pounder, almost three-pounder. And uh, 15 minutes later or so, I caught the, the one that won it for me. And that was, uh, from that second on, it felt like it took two hours for the rest of the day to go by. And I think it was literally about an eight- or nine-minute period of time by the time I stood back up to make my next cast, you know, after weighing the fish in and fixing my – I probably had to retie or something. By the time I stood back up, I didn't have – all that much time but it, it was an eternity yeah i remember so i was watching bradford beavers at the same time as you were down at sturgeon bay winning it and just before you caught that fish uh you know that four pounder beavers had switched up and he basically was like trying to fish for largemouth and i'm thinking and I think the area he was fishing, like the point he was on, was probably the roughest water that like anyone was trying to fish that day, just because it had like zero protection. And I, I don't know, I wasn't right. on right. you, but it was extreme. And I, I thought I was like, when he decided to like try to fish the bank, all I thought was, I don't even know if there are largemouth in here. Um, right. <laughs> and right. Uh, then that last ten minutes where I all I could think was, man, he needs to make one more drift. At the same time, he had the lead. It was totally possible that nobody might catch one for another 10 minutes. And then you caught one. It was knowing exactly what's happening for the final 10 minutes of a tournament is incredibly nerve wracking. Like I never realized how, how much it was until I watched it so often this week, like the cup or last week, I guess I think, uh, at the end of day four, I was watching Alex Davis, and he was like two and a half. He was like two pounds out of making the cut in tenth place. He was in eleventh, and he lost. Any keeper, any keeper would get him in. Any keeper gets him in. He lost two fish in the last seven minutes, both of which would have got him in, and. Oh, no. It was the most gutting fish losses I've seen in my life. Like, they weren't even, like, particularly remarkable fish. You know, they weren't five-pounders. They didn't jump 12 times. They were just fish that he lost. And, it. oh, here's, this is a other side note, but he made the most perfect move ever. Like, he had 10 minutes to go. He cranked up. He ran from the shipping channel to, like, a sort of rock buoy marker. Stopped on it instantly hooks a fish loses it catches another one loses it like it would have been the perfect move it would have been wow look at this great last second move he made and the fish came off and it was oh it's it's gutting it's amazing um hard to watch it's hard to watch yeah at the same time like how did it feel when all of a sudden you're on the you're on the water and like you just found out you won (laughs) I, I didn't want to uh, believe it 
only because I've like all of us we watch this style of fishing, major league fishing. I love it. I love watching it. I have buddies that do it, so you know. As a fan, I watch it, but I also I'm watching it for my buddies too, and I've seen it, man. I've seen uh, guys. They know they made it, you know. Whether it's just making it into the top ten to fish another day, or they thought they won the tournament, and then they get late news that somebody had caught one with a minute to go, and it took a while to make it to the, you know, score tracker, and they're just deflated. And I didn't want to live through that, so I just refused to believe it for a second or two. And then my, you know, my boat official told me, no, it is official. You have won. And I'm like, no. He's like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's impossible. You know, it's, uh, man, it's still hard for me to believe, to be honest with you. Gosh. What's, uh, I mean, what's it, what's it feel like? Or what's it mean? Because this is, it, I, I wouldn't say it's like winning the cup. Because it's a big tournament, but it doesn't have that level of history. But this is the first one. And it is definitely a big tournament, and like you beat a lot of guys who have crushed them all year. So, what did it? What's it mean to you? It's not your first tournament win everything. by any means, but <laughs> no, but it means everything to me. It's this is the level that we all try to have success at, right? I mean, that's what we're here for. We're challenging ourselves against the best that we can fish against, whether it's you know qualifications or whatever. I always try to get. Like, I, I, I was all in when they said, man, we're going to let the um, MLF guys fish with you guys on these super tournaments. Some guys didn't like it. Man, I was all in. That's just more – that's just testing myself even more. I, I love to test myself. I always have. It doesn't always come out the way I want, but I know that I'm up against – when I know I'm up against the best, you know, it's rewarding when you do have success, right? I think we all feel that way. No doubt. Um, What a – so, you had a really good season. You finished, I think, 19th in points. You obviously won the title. Um, and you said that you were going to do this for two years uh, in your sort of comeback. Because <laughs> you hadn't fished the, you know, the tour, the pro circuit since 2011. Um, I guess next year is probably looking really good. Uh, how do you feel about trying to, about doing this longer term? Or do you think it's, I came back for two years, I had a great time, and then you go back and fish more local stuff. What's uh, What do you think the future no, looks like? No, yeah, well, so, you know, I've, I guess I've never really kind of finished my whole story behind the two years. I'm at a point in my life now where I can do this as long as I have success. Enough success to where I'm not breaking, you know, mama's bank account at home. Mm-hmm. That's really what it comes down to. If I can, if I can, if I can generate enough to kind of cover my fishing end, then everything's good, really, you know? So, um, yeah, so far it's been good. It it actually started for me about two years ago. I've been fishing good for the last couple years. I've been fishing pretty good. I I really had a legitimate chance of winning at the Toyota Series Championship last year. On paper, it's not going to look like that, but I know where I was at. I had had the chance. I had the fish hooked a few times. I was catching those crazy smallmouth there, and they're, there's, you know, they're like the rest of the smallmouth on this planet. They're mean. They're hard to catch. And I lost the battle a few times. Otherwise, I would have been right there to win that tournament. I was all, I had, I had, you know, I had located an area that I could win out of for sure. Okay. So that I've was had def- uh, my, my confidence. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, you keep rolling. So, well, my confidence is beginning 
uh, you're a fisherman, you know. When you're not fishing well, your confidence sags a little bit. My confidence has been there. Um, I've been fishing well. I've been making great decisions. Even earlier this year, our I think it was our second tournament. Yeah, uh, I led after day one. Yeah, a mega bag. I, uh, you know, I yeah, I had a mega bag, which is awesome. Um, I really believe that tournament. The weather's a little different. I have a real chance of winning that tournament too. They, that cold front just you know we had to miss the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the next day I would have been able to catch them pretty good because the cold front wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have had affected. It made those females swim out quite yet. This is all speculation on my part, but when you're fishing good, you have the confidence to believe things like that, right? And then uh, by the time we did get back to fishing, females were gone. I didn't know how to adjust. I still don't. I need. There's a lot to be learned from Florida for me. It's never been a great state for me to catch them in, but I do like it. I just, you know, I need to learn more what to do when when the cold front hit, front hits. You know, I could have. Uh, done a little better in that tournament but i have been i've been you know all year long i had a couple kind of shaky tournaments but both of those um really practice i I did well in practice i just made bad adjustments as the tournament rolled on and i can see what i did wrong i wasn't very far off it wasn't like i was clueless so um i had no regrets man i fished good all year i was was happy I, i hope i can keep it rolling for next year nice um i think uh I mean, I don't see any reason you can't, because uh, if you look at your history, like, you know, you by and large do well. Like, you've had some a couple of pretty bad years uh, at the tour level, but you always catch them out west, and you've caught them enough back east that it doesn't seem like there's any. It doesn't seem like I, I don't think statistically you're a guy who someone would look at and be like, oh well, that guy he's never going to make it, because you have. Um, so like, I think that I don't, I don't see any reason why you won't catch him again going forward. Do you have, I, obviously you can stay on the, you can probably stay on the water for a while. Uh, what are your, what are your other goals? Like, do you, you know, you finished 19th this year. I'm obviously it kind of, everything in fishing is up in the air. Like, would you really like to fish the BPT and shoot for qualifying in that way? Do you really want to win an AOI? Like what's on the list? Yeah, so for sure, all that comes into play. And that was part of my decision-making to, to come back again. I had qualified. Actually, I was the highest qualifying guy out of the West at the championship. So I, um, I had already made the Forest Wood Cup. And, uh, you know, I qualified to come back to the Tour. So I, my plans were already to do all that. I, the Cup is my, obviously, it's all of our favorite tournament to fish. It's no more. Yeah, you, you know what happened. We went, we went through the buyout, um, and uh, I, you know, I wasn't disappointed. A lot of guys were really upset about that. I just figured that's business. Uh, you know, opportunity missed for me, but um, all of us missed that opportunity because there is no cup to fish. And then uh, my goal was to requalify for the championship, and and I achieved that. Um, it was hard work. There was times I started off the year good, you know, and then had some. Rough go in the middle, but finished strong on really not my expertise. It's a lot of smallmouth fishing, but I got better at it as the year went on. I'm like, I, I can't wait to go back smallmouth fishing. Now I'm really starting to feel like I'm learning enough to uh, compete on smallmouth. Because that's what it takes. You know, you have to get to that, that confidence level. You, you kind of learn what they do and how to look for them, and I'm getting there on that end. 
But this year was a lot for me. Like uh, 2010 was probably one of my best years on tour. Well, it was. I actually was in the um, hunt for angler of the year right up to the last tournament. And um, I don't know. I think I honestly, I think I let the nerves get to me. The last tournament was at Gunnersville, and I spun out a little bit and finished like 99th and dropped from fourth in the points all the way down to, I don't know. I still didn't do bad. I think I finished 14th that year. Good enough to qualify for the Toyota Texas Bass Classic. Um, for the second time, first time I didn't even realize I qualified. They called me. I blew off the phone call because I thought it was like an advertisement, so I didn't even get to fish it. I was bummed. Brent Ayler tells me. Uh, you know, <laughs> oh my God! Sorry, I, that's what incredible. I did, you know? <laughs> yeah, I ran into him at a social event. We were all together. Uh, we're, you know, we have a lot of mutual friends, and we're good friends on the West Coast. And he told me what I'd missed, and I was just, you know, I've watched that tournament. It's, it's, it's a it's tournament a cool that everyone tries to get to. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So then I, we did. I did make it that year. So I got to fish it in eleven, or I think, it, yeah, the next year is when you actually get to fish. And um, that was a great tournament. Really fun. Whole family went. It's a, it's a party environment. It's really fun. I know you. I'm sure you've covered them or been to them or know about them. And they're uh, they're a great tournament. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess I'm rambling a little bit. My goal is obviously to make anger of the year. That's you know that's probably as good as you can do fishing it's as good it's probably better than winning the title or the forced wood cup because it's uh, all your full year-long accomplishment and i've really only had one shot and i thought was that year this year i was just you know i finished 19th is great but i never had a chance to really make a run at it you can't really have you know your bad tournaments to make a run at the championship are got to be around 50th place you know it seems like you know you gotta have a just a solid year all year long so uh, that's consistency, and that's what we all aim for. So maybe next year. All right, I like it. Um, you said you're friends with Brent Ayler. Obviously, you're, uh, you and Wade are extremely good buddies, uh, or really close. Um, what a you just won a smallmouth tournament. You said you don't like fishing for smallmouth. Like everybody from out west is amazing at fishing for smallmouth. That's what we've learned these last couple of years, right? Like. You know, yeah, and you know what, I should, man, that, I guess that came out a little wrong, because I love smallmouth, but they are heartbreakers. Um, you know, it's like, I guess back on where we've been fishing, Sandusky, uh, the Mississippi River, and where we just left Sturgeon Bay, it's, it's easier to be more consistent with smallmouth, because there's a lot of them. Where I typically fish for them on the West Coast, there's less of them. You can win with them, or at least a mixed bag. And I typically like. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of the U.S. Open. I've been. I've had my heart broke by those things. I found the school to win, at least three times in practice, and I can never find them again in the tournament. And I spend. I've, I've spent. You know, it's one o'clock in the afternoon. I have zero hunting for these things, and then I got to go try to catch five of any size. You know, go do a little largemouth fishing at the end of the day, just to weigh in any kind of a bag, you know, just to keep yourself in the hunt. But um, that's my experience with smallmouth from the West Coast. They they usually get me, but I've had, uh, you know, I, I, you're right, I have had success out here. Lake Cumberland, I've been to it twice, and I made top tens both times I was there. I actually finished seventh there, like in 2006, I think. Um, or no, I was second. I think I was second there to, uh, no, I can't even remember, Mike Hawk won the tournament. I got okay. blown away. You know, I lost by like 12 pounds, but second's good in any tournament, right? 
I mean, it pays pretty good. So yeah, second's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hard to you can't. Yeah, I don't so, think you can complain yeah, about I, that. <laughs> no, you're right. I need to. I need to quit acting like I. Because I do, I love catching them. They're the funnest fish in the world to catch. Um, and I'm getting better at trying to figure it out. So um, I, I am looking forward to next year. I'm sure we'll have at least some smallmouth on our docket next year, and I'll, I'll be excited about it. I hope we go back to the Mississippi River. I really, I fell in love with that place. Uh, I didn't show up as well as I thought I was going to. I kind of lost track of my big fish there, but um, what a place, man. Very, very interesting. There's, there's a lot going on at that place. How many Water times? Drops six inches. It comes up six inches. It changes it completely. You know. Yeah. How many times did you get stuck at the Mississippi River? Um. So I was one of the guys that I probably got stuck eight or ten times, but never bad. I've learned. Uh, I've been to the Red River twice in my life, and I learned there never look for new water downstream in the current. Always go upstream. That way, when you drive up on a sandbar, because I, I do mostly idling, it takes me forever to cover any water, but I, I try to go upstream and I idle until I learn where I can go. Because, man, a couple times at the Red River, you know, you're down to your chonies, you're calling everyone you know, they're, we're tying ropes trying to pull my boat off, you know, and I, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to get in that situation at the Mississippi. So when I did get stuck, I was able to just jump out and uh, lift my boat around enough to get off and get going again. But it is definitely something to be concerned with. Yeah, I was just checking because I was wondering if you had somehow skated through without getting stuck at all. Maybe you are like, oh, this place is great. And then you'd go next time and get stuck 12 times and be ready to uh, drain the river. <laughs> because it's... No, a, no, that's, it's, that's it what is, I, that's I agree, what I about it. It's fascinating. It's, the, it's like one yeah. of the most like diverse, changeable, interesting places you can have a tournament at. Yeah, and guys catch them every way you can imagine. And um, I like terms like that. The boats spread out nice. Most guys get to fish what they want to fish to. You know, you'll have a couple boats in your area, but um, typically, like most of the boats in my area, were actually fishing completely different than me. They were frogging. I was flipping. So, I mean, we didn't even bother each other. We could, you know, we could cover the same water and not even affect each other's fish at all, really, you know, for the most part. It was great. So I think that you've won at the uh, you won at the Delta. Um, was it any? Yeah. Is, is fishing the Mississippi River like anything like uh, fishing the Delta, or not at all? Oh, I guess I had the same rod in my hand, flipping stick. There you yeah. go. Um, um, and swim jig and chatterbait—they bite all that kind of stuff, so that's fun. But really. Uh, no, the rest of it is a big no. <laughs> uh, I I couldn't find that many similarities as far as like the types of grass they get into. For me, it was, they they like different grass in Mississippi. I didn't find any of the same types of grass, but and it changes every day. That's what I learned about the Mississippi. You have to fish with an open mind. If you find an area with fish, it has fish. You just got to figure out what they're doing on that day, and it would always take a while. Like I always had a slow start. It'd be. Most days I didn't catch one until 10, 30, or 11, but once I kind of figured out what they're doing for that day, I could catch them fairly quick. There you go. Um, well, what's the plan for the rest of the year? Because uh, the season is sort of over, uh, but we've still got a lot of fishing time left. Are you coming back east at all? Are you going to just, uh, are you going to fish anything out west? Uh, what's, what's the word? Yeah, I'm going to go to 
My youngest daughter is due. Congratulations. In September. Thank you. With my second grandson. I can't wait. And I'm not going to miss that. But if timing, I, it looks like I might be able to get away with going to Clear Lake. In fact, I need to call today probably and get signed up for that tournament. Hopefully I'm not too late. Um, but that's on my docket. I'd love to go fish Clear Lake. I love it. It's great, great body water. And uh, the fall is a great time to fish. And we're starting, in, you know, it's basically fall starting, so it should be good. And then I'm going to go fish the U.S. Open. And one, uh, we have a team tournament, so we always fish. The Elkhorn Ford Tournament, it was named for years. They might call it San Diego Team Open now, but uh, Paul Leader was, he is uh, a legend. He's passed, unfortunately. But he's a legend in our town. He, he made bass fishing what it is in San Diego. And uh, he, 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 it was his dream for this tournament, and he made it happen. I've, I've fished it every year that I've been in town to fish it. It's a great tournament. Um, I'm, I'm actually, me and my, my partner, Todd Overson, are the only ones that have won it three times. Wow. Um, can't wait to go. We're going to have to go. We're going to have to go basically no practice this year, but it'll be fun either way. Get to watch some of our buddies win if we don't. <laughs> oh, so where is it? That's on the docket. And that's, so um, typically everyone – uh, likes to have it at, um, we have small reservoirs there. You've probably never heard of them, but one of them, my favorite is when it's at El Cap one day and Sam Stanley the other. So what they do is they split the field and everyone fishes, say, Sam and, uh, the even side. I'll fish El Cap on day one and Sam Stanley on day two. And, and the other half of the field is doing the opposite of what we're doing. And it's strictly points. It has nothing to do with weight but you obviously accomplish the points by your weight. So first place will get whatever, 200 points and on down the line. And at the end, whoever has the most points wins. So it's, it's, it's a fun tournament. Everyone enjoys it. It's always a big showing. Um, like Brett Heights come over and fish it before. Uh, just, you know, he knows a bunch of us and he's won it. I think he's, he might've won it twice actually. Brett Heights um, pretty good. Tournament. He would, he would do that. Oh yeah. He catches them. <laughs> um, do you yeah, feel, so I mean, that's something I'm looking forward to, but that's it. That's, that's going to finish the year for me. Okay. Has, uh, I mean, I've always heard that like the fish around San Diego, Southern California, they're like really difficult fish to catch. Um, you feel like that's true and has that trained you uh, pretty well? Probably for me, I don't really feel like they're that difficult to catch. There's, I mean, you always have to figure out what's going on. So if you're clueless, to what's happening, yeah, it's going to be like me at Gunnersville, clueless, you know, just driving around in circles, never catching anything. But it's, you know, I mean, back east, it's, no, we don't get the pressure that all these, you know, famous lakes on the east coast or in the middle of the country get. It's, you know, we all know what Gunnersville looks like on any given day. It's just insane pressure. I was shocked with Lake Martin. Lake Martin gets tons of pressure. Um, even when we were just at Sturgeon Bay, I thought that was the uh, secret, one of the secrets left in the world about, you know, smallmouth fishing. I had uh, I had seven or eight local guys that I'd have to say good morning to every day when I'd get started because they were right there fishing with me every day, you know. It's just how it is. got to learn how to catch around those guys. So uh, I don't know. I I think our water is pressured, but... Um, 
we do the same thing all year long, you know, pressured fish. Okay. Well, I guess you were ready for it then. Um, yeah, I guess to answer your question, yeah, it, it does help you learn how to do it. Um, like I always, I remember the first time I was going to come back east, I was like, man, you study a little and you're like, if you catch 15 pounds a day, no matter where you're at, anywhere in the country, you're going to be like angler of the year. That's easy. Yeah, anyone can catch 15 pounds all the time. Easy. Good luck, luck, right? Yeah, Yeah. that's a, it used to be, it may be like this now still, but I remember back when the FLW tour, like we used to have some big fields and back when kind of anyone could get in a little more easily, you could always be, hear people, you could hear all the time, you could hear, man, they pay ten thousand or whatever. It ought to be easy to get a ten thousand dollar check every time, and that's not true. <laughs> so oh, no. it's to well, do really you know, well. It's always hard. Against great guys. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. You're fishing against great guys. These fish get beat on. Gets harder every day to catch them. And uh, yeah, you're lucky. Fifteen pounds is always good anywhere you go, pretty much. Well, Rusty, it's been uh, phenomenal talking with you. Um, and uh, again, congratulations on the win. It was, it. I didn't really watch very much of it. I guess I think I only watched you fish a little bit on, maybe day four, uh, or you know that second qualifying day. But either yeah. way, congratulations. Yeah, I remember, I remember asking if you were bored. You know what are you doing watching me? I'm not guessing anything. But you're just making your rounds around there. Yeah, I'm just putting in my due diligence. You know, you never know. Anyone That's can right. win, and look what happened. Yep. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, I got some good photos of you, like, tying, retying stuff on during the break, and then I think you fished for, like, you know, an hour and a half and didn't catch a fish or something after that, and I was like, all right, well, it's slow right now, you know, such is life. Yep. Um, yep. but, uh, I, I guess that being the case, man, uh, where can people follow you? Do you want to thank anybody, anything? I mean, it's your time. Yes, um, uh, thank you asking so um new this year for me is my instagram account it's rusty.seleski.fishing so um my daughter's always asking everyone to i think i say tag that for me that that's what you want saying that right but okay yeah so uh please go on there and check it out she's been doing a great job trying to get stuff on there for me i gotta i gotta learn more about that get on top of that world and I want to thank um, the two guys that really helped me get going this year. Two of my very dear friends from San Diego. They both uh, sponsored me this year. Uh, Bill Johnston, Johnston Tractor. Um, I actually work for him when I'm at home a lot of times. And uh, John Strelick, which is Wade's father. He, uh, they both helped me out a lot. Advanced Plumbing is his company. And they're both on the side of my boat, and I, uh, man, I couldn't have done it without them. I really appreciate it. And of course, Ranger Boats, uh, Mercury Marine, my trolling motor was, I, I was the guy that fought not having the spot lock and all that. I tried to, I was an old school guy. I had it this year. I don't know how I ever fished without it. It's the greatest thing in the world. And uh, I also fought uh, Power Pole for years. I've, this is only my second boat with them, and uh, it's, it's uh, opened up a whole new world. I don't know how anybody fishes without those things. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, I mean, daily I use them. Even it, even where we were just at, where my boat's always in deep water, but, um, you learn how to use them. Uh, 
like any time that I went up to during our breaks, I was always power pulling down, getting up there out of the wind and holding myself down. I was even dragging around in the water, trying to slow me down and, and, and it helped. Um, they're, they're, that's an amazing tool. And I'm, I'm new with hummingbird this year and, uh, they're fun. That's just a phenomenal company. The graphs gave me no trouble other than me. I gave myself trouble with them, just learning how to use them. But um, a phenomenal tool. I've uh, I've never I've never seen such a good picture on side imaging and down imaging. It's 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 just a great tool. I like it. Well, uh, Rusty, uh, thanks for coming on, man, and uh, enjoy your time in Colorado. And congratulations again on the win. Okay, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for being kind to me this year. I saw you a lot on the water. I know there's a bunch of us out there. Uh, it's cool to be able to look at pictures and see that you got some on the website for me. I always really, really appreciate that. Well, I appreciate that too, man. Um, I would say probably a lot of it's luck, uh, one way or the other, because there's a lot of guys and usually big lakes. Uh, but... Uh, you know, it was definitely a great year, and it was great to actually get to know you a little bit this year, and, you know, really cool to see you win. Thank you. See you next year, buddy. Have a good off season. All righty, Kyle. Um, I guess right off the top, let's uh, dive into the Tackle Warehouse title. Um, as we know, it was on Sturgeon Bay. Uh, the fishing was phenomenal for basically every day of the event, except the final day. Uh, the final day was phenomenally windy. Um Yes, it was. What uh, do you have any? Do you have some takeaways? Do you have anything you want to hit right off the bat? What's our? What should be our lowdown? Uh, I thought it was you know getting to watch that MLF format firsthand. Um, it was kind of, it was kind of cool to see a lot of these guys, like enjoying themselves a little more on the water. Uh, some of that sure it's because it's a championship; they're getting a check either way, but uh, you know. Watching a guy fight like a two and a half pounder, two and three quarter, um, you know, and that means just as much. Whereas, you know, if you were fighting a fish of that size on Sturgeon Bay in a five fish limit tournament, you'd be like, oh, man, let me let me hurry up and get this thing off. Like, I got to find me some bigger ones. So it was kind of cool seeing guys, uh, you know, really enjoy catching all the fish they could. And uh, I think especially when it's small mouths. Uh, versus largemouth, it just makes it all that much more fun for the guys, and I thought that was a really cool aspect of the week as a whole. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I enjoyed it. It's weird. There's like, ch- it's weird that there's chunks of the tournament where guys aren't trying, right? Oh, that is weird. Yes, and it happens a lot more, I would say, than in a five fish cumulative weight tournament. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. At the same time, like the absolute most intense moments uh, seem more intense, uh, and some Definitely. of it is be a lot of it is probably because it's literally happening, uh, and you everybody knows exactly what the situation is. Right. Yeah. Whether it's employee, fan, angler, like everyone's in on it, and the suspense can be felt across the across the board. We're like. You know, at a five fish tournament, you and I may know who wins before the public does, or even before a lot of the anglers do. Yeah. Uh, so it kind of loses a little luster. Whereas this, we're sitting there, like especially on that final day, you know, you're like, "Holy crap, Rusty just caught one, <laughs> caught a four fourteen or whatever it was, uh, four fifty some 
five-pounder, you know, to take the lead over Bradford, and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is getting serious with, like, 12 minutes to go or whatever it was. Yeah. The other – now, I will say you could probably replicate that with a five-fish limit if everybody just knew what was going on. You know, if you just weighed them on the water. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you might not be able to do it nearly as much because you would – a lot of times with five-fish, you would know that you would need to hit a much higher ceiling. Like, here – uh, you know, Alex Davis lost like critical two and a half pounders in this tournament. Yes. And, uh, you know, Rusty, like if Bradford Beavers had hooked a two and a quarter pounder in the last five minutes, it would have absolutely changed the tournament. Whereas if anyone, you know, catches a two pounder on the final day in like most lakes we go to, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's kind of a six. I don't know if six one half dozen the other is a thing, but it, it's uh, it, it's definitely cool. I I really did enjoy the extra. The I enjoyed the that level of intensity that you could reach. Um, yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, because like Beaver's final day, it was eight ounces back when Rusty caught that big one, and so in major league fishing format, he just needed a two pounder. Yeah. Which more doable than like if it was a five fish limit format, Beavers would have needed like a four or something. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, honestly, harder. if if it was a five fish limit format, we wouldn't even been thinking about Beavers, I don't think. Because oh, yeah. he caught like way bigger numbers than anyone else that day, but his size wasn't there. Like if it was a five fish format, I mean, maybe Gray Buck wins. <laughs> I don't I mean, really Buck, know who had the yeah. best five, but it wasn't Buck definitely Beavers. would have been up there. But you know what I'm saying, like, but yeah. the difference, like, you'd be like, oh, okay, he's eight ounces back if it was a five-fish limit thing. Yeah, but so he needs to call. A lot he harder a to make one. that up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely, it was cool. Um, the fishing was, like, it was really, the first few days, it was really everything I dreamed of, because I got to watch guys, uh, by and large, make, like, targeted perfect casts to uh, fish on their live scope. And mm-hmm. just load the boat, <laughs> um, which was that phenomenal. Or I got to watch Matt Stefan do really cool things up the river. So it was basically two great scenarios. The final day, I mean, gosh, it was just a, like you, that offshore bite didn't really seem to materialize. No, it, uh, and I think, like, I followed Buck on the final day, and he was one of those guys, uh, like Sheffield that was fishing offshore. Uh, Buck had this school of bass found. Uh, Kyle Hall was fishing as well. Like He said there was like thousands of smallmouths, which maybe there was, maybe there wasn't. But the point is there were a lot of them. Well, he got out there on that final day with that wind blowing in so hard, they were really scattered. Uh, and, you know, so A, less fish on, on the spot. But B, it was like 40 times harder to actually <laughs> to fish the spot. And... Uh, you know, we saw Buck actually end up pulling out, try to go over to Michigan uh, just to get somewhere where he could fish a little better. I think it would have been interesting if it was a five-fish limit because I think Buck would have stayed out there because uh, every time he caught one, I mean, it was a good one. Like, he caught a five-something on that final day. He caught, you know, a four-something and another one close to four. So, like, he was definitely around the right quality. Uh, but, gosh, it was just impossible for those dudes to to fish that offshore thing on the final day. Yeah, it was, it was, it wasn't tenable. What did you, 
I, I don't I don't ever want to be like, oh, hey, this was a bad call because I I think that everyone was safe, but it was like a it dramatically I think changed the outcome of the tournament. Um, how did you feel about everybody fishing the final day? Like, what did you think about? We started late. We had the run time in between, which was a great time for Bradford Beavers to retie stuff and sit on his power pulse out of the wind. Like, <laughs> what was your uh, what was your vibe on that? Yeah, like I, I felt like fishing wise, or you know, driving around uh, in the rough water, like it wasn't dangerous. So I get that, and I get that they could trailer and go wherever. But like, the interesting thing to me is you could trailer. You couldn't really trailer anywhere out of the wind. And even if you went to the Michigan side, it just wasn't happening on on the lake. Yeah, you like know, the Green fishing Bay. was just not good over there. Yeah. <laughs> like if someone and, has, uh, like enough guys tried it to where if it was going to be something that multiple people could figure out more than one person stumbling on it and getting super lucky, like someone would have found something on Lake Michigan. Yes. Yes. Uh so I would I have liked to have seen it maybe postponed and we fished the final day on Sunday when it was like calm and gorgeous? Yeah, there's another, there was like a hunter boat tournament going on, but. Uh, Work around that. It, it just it would have been, it would have been fun watching everyone be able to fish their thing, uh, you know, to its full extent yeah. instead of, you know, Sheffield and, uh, you know, even Beavers and Gray and Kyle Hall, like essentially starting to drift these kind of specific spots where they're trying to target, you know, individual fish. And you just can't do that in like five footers. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think I'm with you. Um, I mean, not to knock like Seleski because he had plenty of wind and. Oh yeah. Yeah. He wasn't out of it by any means. and, And beavers too. Like really, they were probably the guys who, played the win the best and neither of them were out of it uh at the same time i think that if you'd had good weather uh the winning weights are probably a lot higher than they would have than they were because like yeah um but i mean somebody's got to win and you got to have a turn you got to have the tournament and like if uh i mean i don't know um i don't know that any of these guys i guess some of them would probably like a do-over at the same time, it's a one-day tournament. At that point, you know there's going to be some there's going to be some luck and some circumstance involved. That's just kind of the nature of the beast. So yeah. that's what happened. And it, it was interesting. I don't know if Seleski said this in the interview because you just did it and I haven't listened to it yet. But uh, like during day five, uh, you know he was pretty adamant that it actually kind of played to his advantage on that final day, not being one of those guys using like live scope rusty was just i mean he was basically he had an area he knew there were fish in and he was just kind of blind casting around and he'd get bit whereas those guys that like really lived and died by their graph it kind of bit them on the final day because you know they just could you have fished around and maybe caught some fish yeah probably but you're just so deadly when you can spot the fish on your graph and make a pitch to it uh you know, like you watch Shuffield and a handful of other guys do it, you know, flawlessly all week. Uh, I got to see a little bit too up up on the north end, and it was—I mean, it's insane when the guys would get dialed in on that. But on that final day, you just couldn't do it. And Rusty really thinks that the weather uh, just hindering those guys enough 
really helped his cause, um, which was kind of interesting because you know at this point in time in smallmouth world, you know that forward facing light or sonar is like that's all everyone's talking about that and maxent. If you yeah. can see him swimming around, you can throw at him, catch him, and Rusty's over there just fishing an area, catching smallmouths uh, here and there. You know, go through little lulls, but uh, it was kind of funny to see that that you know ultimately win. Uh, but he had a good point that the conditions kind of favored what he was doing. Yeah, and like that's the. It's also interesting, you know. We we went into that final day, and I guess, you know, uh, Gray Buck was sort of our resident Great Lakes expert in that uh, final top ten. Yeah. Um, but like, I was talking with Beavers the other day, and he's like, and I, I told him I was like, if you have a drift sock, you win that tournament. You know that, right? And he didn't have a drift sock, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it it's it's interesting where it got to the end and Rusty caught him old school. And at the same time, there were probably Great Lakes guys who were saying either, this is nothing, or come on, guys, what are you doing? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, right. Deploy the sock, man. Yeah, let it, let it <laughs> rip. You got to drift some. Um, but here's the thing. Not a lot of guys around Santee Cooper have drift socks. No. Gosh, could you imagine how fast that thing would get tore up if you were drifting around Santee? Oh, dude, with a you'd big like sock behind you. <laughs> you'd run into a stump in like thirty seconds, or you'd uh, or you'd accidentally envelop like a forty pound catfish. Oh my gosh, I never even thought about that. <laughs> Your boat would actually get pulled like into the wind with a catfish in it. Yeah, it'd be like just swimming, trying to swim out of the hole at the end. Like, let me get, get me out. <laughs> Uh, would um, that be like a le- well no you can do kind of whatever you want in the south so it probably wouldn't be illegal oh to net a catfish with a drift sock no totally yeah le- totally allowed yeah, 100%. yeah that's legit yeah <laughs> they actually recommend it yeah it's like one of the best <laughs> ways to catch them <laughs> um yeah that would be that was it was something else that last day um it was i guess i've been out in rougher water but not often definitely i don't think i've ever tried to fish for long in rougher water so like props to all those guys really um yeah i mean it was it was rough that final day on erie but it was like a different kind of rough the waves there was a bigger space between them. it was there great lakes troughs were yeah the, those big gentle rollers that was this much was like more, white capped big waves yeah it was much more champlain rough where it's like short where the waves are short you know yeah Yep. Or short in between. Uh, but still, like, taller than, I would say, any wave I've seen on Champlain. Except maybe, like, once or twice in, like, certain isolated spots. Um, but, yeah, it was cool. Uh, I would say watching Matt Steffen was also a highlight. And I think I mentioned this before. But, like, watching him fish up the river, one, he was crushing it. Like, he would get in these little stretches and just, it would be beautiful. He was making beautiful casts. He was catching every one of those swamoth up there had like so much more fire than the swamoth in the lakes. <laughs> the lake smallmouth would jump like sometimes in their smallmouth. They're great. I love them. The ones up there, they would hit the they would hit his swim jig like sometimes almost when it hit the water. Like multiple times, I heard the fish bite it, and I was like, "Oh, here we go! I got to get ready." <laughs> and uh, then every single one of them jumped. Um, and some of that's probably he's using like 20 pound test or whatever and kind of whomping on him a bit. But 
God, was that Still. cool. Yeah. Um, it also led to, like, maybe your coolest fish catch sequence uh, in your career. It's got to be up there. I mean, it's very artistic, is the thing. <laughs> it is very artistic. Um, but, yeah, at some point, that one is going to have to turn into a... I don't really know what exactly what the way to do that sequence is, because it's a pretty good sequence, and I think you want at least several of the examples printed out, but at some point, that's going to find its way. What I'll do is I'll get it printed out, and then I'll... Uh, not frame it i'll just leave it solo and just stack it next to my other photos that i've had printed out and don't display <laughs> but i got them there just in case yeah yeah if, if you ever do feel frisky you can you can put them up yeah uh but that was that was cool and i did finally get my wish to actually be on the water and take photos of guys in big waves so thank the lord for that <laughs> yes you did um did have to drive myself did have to do it with no Ultrax, that was super annoying. Oh <laughs> yeah, that's like worst case scenario. Yeah, but I mean, we took some good photos, so we'll get what we can get. <laughs> um, let's see. I'm trying to... Uh, one thing that was odd to me, and I don't know if this is a lot of places or just there, there were a lot of fish that didn't eat. Like, every... If, uh... Like, with Shuffield, right? Even in practice, like, if he could have got a got a bit every time he cast at a fish, he could have caught a fish, like, every third cast all day long. Yeah. They were kind of finicky. Um, and I guess Max Sen is pretty clutch on that, but some of it is just kind of weird that they're that finicky. Um, yeah. Um, Becker, on the fifth day, on the knockout round, mm-hmm. um, he, the spot he started on, was loaded with fish and uh he fished for maybe 45 minutes and caught one and you know every every like fifth or sixth pitch i'd be like oh here we go and then he'd reel in and make another pitch i'm like whoa man what's going on and he kept complaining about it but it was really interesting that uh there did seem to be quite a lot of fish that just weren't having it they weren't about that life yeah, that's weird. Like, I mean, I guess, look, fish are fish. They do some odd things sometimes. But it's kind of surprising to me how hard those fish were to get to bite. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know if it's entirely... Is it the fishery? Is it that they've kind of been pounded on a fair amount this year? Is it just uh, the way those fish are? Could you have... Could we have had a day where, like, the weather was perfect and just they bit every cast? I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. I don't I don't imagine that there was a better way to get them to eat than throwing a drop shot at them. <laughs> um, a live leech. Yeah, that'd probably work really good. <laughs> or alewife on a drop shot. <laughs> Ooh, baby. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, this is definitely one of those tournaments. If whoever could have used live bait would have won this tournament. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, like, for sure. Uh, and in a big way. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, uh, I wanted to point out, I, I rode with Kurt Mitchell in practice, and uh, the spot he wound up catching him on, he found uh, kind of towards the end of our day, and he caught, like, two good ones, 
and then uh, had a couple bites on a swim bait but didn't hook up. And he was like, oh, this could actually be a pretty good spot, but, I mean, there's no way I'll get a fish it because I'm sure other guys have found it. Well, then, he goes out and catches 119 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that I was, was like, unreal. Uh, when I, uh, I watched live to see where he was fishing, I was like, son of a gun. <laughs> look, at, look at him go. Like, uh, the guy seemed so lost that first day of practice, never been there before, and you know, ran, first of all, he didn't even know where he could go. Second, he ran from the <laughs> yes. other side of Green Bay and then into Lake Michigan. Like, yeah, we, that's we lost, ran straight man. Across. <laughs> we ran straight across. We basically killed like two hours of the day before he really even made a cast. Gosh. And then we were up in Lake Michigan, came back into that little shipping channel. And, uh, yeah, he caught a couple. He's like, oh, I don't know, worst case, I can maybe catch one off this. And, you know, then him and John proceed to catch him off of that. Yeah. That seawall. Well, uh, when you're hot, you're hot. <laughs> yeah, that's what... The big mo, man. The big mo. Yeah. It is... That was something else. Uh, for sure. Um, that... What did you think about that seawall stuff? And really, just generally, the shipping channel, the current kind of related deal in there. Like, I... It was getting beat to death uh, because... After Kurt Mitchell found it, like, basically everyone else. Well, not everyone else, but a lot of other people did that. Yes. Um, did you feel like it had the juice on the final day? I mean, John actually, John Cox was in the hunt to win it out of that stuff in the last day. Or did you did you feel like it was sort of pre-fated to uh, be burnt up? No, uh, I, uh, I really thought that's what it would come down to is Mitchell or Cox on the final day just because because of the conditions those, yeah the conditions on the lake were rough like those guys had spent enough time in there too you know they had like john was catching them on the bay side um of sturgeon bay that channel and uh but like you know there's several bridges in there like those guys found enough stuff to really like let something rest the big problem in there is the huge no wake zone uh so it's kind of time consuming to go from like one side to the other and uh but I, I really thought they do it the craziest part to me is that the current in that channel doesn't always go bay to lake uh even some days it goes day, the other way even like some days there's no hour, current really didn't at all go bay to lake <laughs> huh even hour by hour it didn't go bay to lake yeah like th- there's no real rhyme or reason to it so i guess that was you would think with the wind blowing from the bay through that channel into the lake on the final day like those fish would have been chewing but i guess the current didn't really act like that most of the day um it got right for a little bit and i think that maybe when john started catching them pretty good uh but yeah that was that was the trippiest thing to me but i definitely thought going into that final day like well just give it to mitchell or cox like one of these dudes is gonna win it i I mean, I guess I didn't realize, well, there were two things. One, I wasn't sure how rough it was going to be or whether those guys were still going to be able to catch them effectively in that rough water. And yeah, then yep. two, I uh, I didn't know whether or not, you know, the fish were going to move. And so I really expected Shuffield to win because the dude has just been on him and that whole tournament he really, from like a consistency standpoint, he seemed to be head and shoulders above like basically everyone else, uh, mm-hmm. especially above 
other guys fishing the lake. And I kind of had in my mind, I was like, I think this shipping channel is toast. I've watched too many guys fish in it. And I say shipping channel, it's really all the way from the town, all the way out to Lake Michigan. You know, there's bridges and there's some piling. It's all current related stuff. Um, and uh, I just kept thinking that, and and the fish moved, you know, plain and simple. Like, mm-hmm. Shelfield ran out to where the fish were supposed to be, looked around, didn't catch them. And that's not a, it's not something that was unpredictable um, because, like, honestly, Stefan said the fish on this body of water move a lot. They're yeah. hard to keep track of. A lot of guys have said that. At the same time, where they move to is a kind of difficult thing to figure out. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so, I don't know. That was... It, it was cool, uh, but also kind of, it was a little disappointing to see, like, Sheffield and Cifuentes really have such difficult uh, events, or such difficult final days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, I have my last question. What is it with drop shots this year, dude? Like, the last right? few years, Ned Rigs have been the thing for smallmouths, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's increasingly important you gotta throw a ned rig they win tournaments at the thousand islands all the time uh why now what happens is make drop shots so good uh, they're back baby <laughs> it, yeah i feel like between erie and sturgeon bay um those places are just covered in zebra mussels and i just don't think you can effectively fish a ned on the bottom on fisheries like that that are you know littered with zebra mussels that just want to absolutely shred your lineup so the drop shots like the built-in well okay i might lose my leader i keep my hook or if i hook up with one odds of my line above the knot being frayed substantially less uh that was kind of the first thing i thought of was just all these fisheries set up well for that i think also just with guys you know live scoping around maybe it's a lot easier like you can get it down quicker uh, and still have a really light bait, you know, like still have a nice kind of uh, natural action to the bait versus, you know, this big turd falling to the bottom or not big, but little uh, Ned rig sinking down to the bottom and it on, you know, like St. Clair, uh, some of those spots you have grass. So just again, with the drop shot, you can keep it up above that or at least some of that perch grass uh as opposed to like getting buried down in it i don't know it seems like maybe an efficiency thing but i definitely thought that just the sturgeon bay and erie i think favor a drop shot from the sake of not having your line tore up as bad because there were guys that fished them in both um but you definitely you wouldn't see a lot of casts with it yeah i i agree and my counterpoint is there's a lot of zebra mussels at the Thousand Islands and there's a lot of zebra mussels on Lake Erie and a lot of fish get caught in Ned Rig in both those places. True. However, I feel like there's also a lot more current at the Thousand Islands and uh, maybe a little harder. Uh, maybe those fish are tighter to the bottom and they like stuff moving on the bottom more. Yeah. Uh, I do, but I again, think it also does seem kind of cyclical though. at the Thousand Islands. Yeah, 
Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that could be a good factor, though, because I think the Ned Rig is really nice because you can sweep it along, kind of. Like, you mm-hmm. can let the water move it. Um, it's a really good, like, drift bait as opposed to drop right down on a bait. Yeah, like, throw. I'm throwing at something specific. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely... I was... I wasn't really surprised that a Ned Rig didn't play because I'm just so conditioned to drop shots with flatworms <laughs> being the thing. Yeah, but right, right. it's got me kind of questioning uh, how well a Ned Rig works. Like, I spent all this spring and I never tied a drop shot on. And I caught, like, a lot of my biggest fish early in the year on a Ned Rig. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when the water was really cold. And... Maybe I should just not do that and throw a drop shot. <laughs> Maybe yeah. I was working too hard, you know, because the Ned Rig, like, <laughs> you use a little lighter weight. It's a little more finessey. It takes longer to get to the bottom. You fish it slower. Maybe I should just give up on that and just be like, yeah, quarter ounce drop shot. Here we go. Blast it out there. <laughs> <laughs> I think definitely this year, because uh, I'm with you, like, I, I feel like the last couple times I've been out smallmouth fishing, I've had, like, two Ned Rigs tied on. Yeah. And if I had the drop shot, it was like in the rod locker. But now I think maybe there's more of a case to have both tied up or at least evaluate, you know, the type of stuff you're fishing and maybe see if one's going to be the one you should reach for first. Yeah, I could I could see that. Um, but anyhow, I think that probably covers us on the title, I would say. I think it does. It definitely, like you said, it was a marathon. Uh, it went by actually pretty quick despite how how long it was uh, in terms of us covering it. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, here's the thing. We got up later and went to bed earlier. Well, I did, anyhow, than I do mm-hmm. at any other tournament. So from that standpoint, it's a success. I could do a 10-day tournament and <laughs> get up at, you know, 4.45 in the morning and go to bed at 8.30. Like, that's clutch. Right. Sign right. me up, baby. <laughs> um, I'm not saying we should start doing 10-day tournaments just no, saying no, no, that's no, a possibility <laughs> you know i think that six is a great number of days yeah <laughs> maybe even five or four <laughs> um <laughs> all right cool i like it um let's pull back up this agenda here um and mention two toyota series events we got going on yes we do um well let's mention i don't really know where we're at on what we've talked about, what we haven't, because uh, we had lo- last week's episode. So I'll mention the tournaments that happened two weeks ago. One of them was a Northern Division yeah. event on Lake Erie. Kurt Mitchell won that. Uh, we're very proud of him. Yep. Um, the other was a Western Division event on the California Delta-ish. Monroe won that. We're proud of him, but it's expected. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. This week, we have two other tournaments going on. One Southwestern Division event, it's on Fort Gibson. Uh, and then a Southeastern Division event, it's the final one of the season. So we're going to have our first Strike King Angler of the Year crowned in the Toyota Series this year. And that one's on Neely Henry. We have, I can't really 100% figure out if we've been to Neely Henry before, but definitely we haven't been to it in a very long time yeah. uh, for a Toyota Series event. So that's very exciting. Um, it is. Well, let's see what the weights are and see how exciting it is. But it is uh, interesting, at least. <laughs> yeah, true. 
Um, do we have any uh, any hot thoughts on <laughs> either of these? No, again, I think uh, weights at both of them could be a little eh. Uh, so we'll see post-event, and then we'll rap about it. Yeah. it based, Just based on day one and the photos, the fishing was better at uh, Fort Gibson than it was at Neely Henry. Um, but that's not really saying a lot. Because, um, one, it's day one. Two, just looking at photos from a tournament day is not really like a great gauge on exactly what happened, <laughs> right. especially on day one. Um, okay, great. I think it's a phenomenal idea to, uh, you know, just wait on this. Yeah. But you know they're happening. Basically, if you go to fwfishing.com anytime in the afternoon, there's gonna be result. There's gonna be results up. There's gonna be stories up. There's probably gonna be some live going. You can watch it. Yep. This one Wednesday to Friday, September second to September fourth. Yeah, both of so, them actually. Uh, yeah. So we're getting you out of there for Labor Day weekend. Um, and also no BFL tournaments this weekend. Very exciting stuff. Whoop whoop. There is a high school open on Gunnersville though, and on Saturday, and then a college fishing event on uh, Friday, also in Gunnersville. So we're not totally void of tournaments. Yeah, we got one. Um, anyhow, what uh, let's see, you got some BFLs for me, right? I do. We had yes. actually four super tournaments, and just a regular BFL. So. Love that. Uh, Love a BFL. Regular BFL was the Great Lakes Division. It was uh, on the Mississippi River. Uh, out of lacrosse, I believe. Mike Brugan won it, uh, which I think was his seventh BFL victory. Um, basically, he was fishing some eelgrass. Uh, fished at the bottom of Pool 7 and a little bit of Pool 8. Uh, caught them on a swim jig frog buzzbait. So, pretty standard... Uh, river stuff but he weighed 15 pounds an ounce which is a pretty good bag the weights actually there were several like 14 pound bags so we're starting to see the tick of that like fall bite like fish are getting a little bigger weights are a little better um so you know expect big things if you're heading to the mississippi river big walleyes that is (laughs) hi-oh uh let's see then from there, uh, we had a Buckeye Division Super Tournament, so two days. Uh, Whitney Stevens won it. Um, he had 29 pounds even for 10 fish. So, you know, not great considering it was on Erie, but uh, he fished the north end of Sandusky Bay and flipped an unnamed creature bait. We didn't actually get to talk to him, so this is like tournament reports from him. But uh, yeah, day one definitely they were locked in the bay. So I'm just saying. Oh yeah, because that would have been that super windy day. Yeah. For us, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Um, but yeah, there you go. Stevens wins that one. Uh, what else we got? We got a. Uh, Ooh, Northeast Division Super Tournament on the Chesapeake Bay. Uh, Richard Leadbeater. 10 fish, 32 pounds, 10 ounces. Uh, he was pretty fired up about the win. Basically, was on a big grass flat uh, and fished a jackhammer and a warrigill spinnerbait, which is 
Seems like two super cool ways to catch fish and win a tournament. I could get down with that. Yeah, huge fan. Um, I was kind of hoping that the rumors would prove true and we would reschedule the final Northern Division uh, Toyota Series event to be from the Detroit River to the uh, Chesapeake Bay. Oh, yeah. Just because I've never covered a tournament there before and... I would have learned some new things. Um, that said, I'm totally cool with uh, Detroit River. It's all right by me. No doubt. I can't wait for the Detroit River. We'll not have to drive from Sandusky to St. Clair. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be great. Yeah. The fish will be close. No diggity. Um, all right. Sorry. I distracted us. Uh, where was I? Oh, we had a Shenandoah Division event on the Potomac, so that Northeast, uh, the Chesapeake Potomac, really getting hammered there, uh, by Super Derbs, but, uh, Chris Daves won it, uh, sorry, I clicked out of the link, I had to try to find it, uh, he won it with some sort of weight, 26 pounds, 2 ounces, is what he had, uh, and, uh, yeah, basically, Grass, shallow, good old-fashioned Zoom Speedworm. Green pumpkin. I'm always, juice. I'm always surprised a Speedworm doesn't do better on the Potomac. Because there's so much grass winding there. In Florida, the Speedworm yeah. is so clutch. Exactly. Like, in Florida, this it's like a Speedworm, a Swim Jig. Like Those are basically like almost equivalent baits. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yeah, up north, definitely. like... Honestly, it's probably just that we don't use a speedworm enough, uh, but maybe it's that we don't have needlefish. Um, it could be. But, like, I'm kind of surprised a speedworm is not a bigger player up north. Yeah, no doubt. Um, David Dudley, don't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Goodness. Uh, let's see. Oh, final one. Choo Choo Division. Uh, was on Gunnersville. Josh Butler won it. Uh, 10 bass, weighed 32.3. So, like, eh, on the fishing side. However, uh, Butler runs a Phoenix. So, he won the FLW Phoenix bonus and took home a cool 15 grand for, you know, two days of fishing, which is pretty, pretty good. dang sweet. Uh, yeah, basically, he was fishing shabby. out deep, though, and caught him on, like, everything. Spoon, crankbait, drop shot, shaky head, swim bait, you name it. Dude threw it, caught fish. Yeah, it was, uh, it, I thought it was kind of fun because um, Alex Davis did help me with the preview for this tournament. And he's like, oh, 100%, it's going to be one shallow. You flip or you frog. I used to try and fish deep there. He's trying to do all kinds of things. I always got my teeth kicked in. Um, you got to fish shallow in the fall. And, uh, I'm sure if he'd been there, he would have won it shallow, but I thought it was funny that it was one deep. Turn, um, turns out uh, it's still summer, so... I mean, I think that the shallow bite on Gunnersville is starting to kick up, and I trust it, Alex yeah. Davis 100%, and I'm sure it was just bad luck that he was wrong this time. Yep. Uh, shout out to Ryan Salzman for a fifth place showing. Yep. And uh, that's all I got. That was it. That was BFLs. 
Okay. Cool. That was fast. Yeah. Uh, like are said, you breeze right through them? Yeah. Are you ready for the Tackle Warehouse game? I am. Okay. I am gonna read some reviews. This is uh, you will uh, figure this out extremely quickly. Um, well, you will figure out uh, some of the, what what it is extremely quickly, but it is all gonna be line. Um, Ooh. Anyway. Have used this for the last three years. Not sure why all the mono bashing. Sure, it's old school and not quite as sexy as fluoro or braid, but I fish as well as my buddy, sometimes better, using braid and fluoro leaders. So I'm not really sure what this, where this guy's going on this one, but whatever. Um, <laughs> this stuff has been nothing but durable and strong. I use the 10-pound for every application and never had a break for any reason. Sure has line memory, but stuff is so cheap. Cut it off and reload the reel. Good line for a great price. All right. I feel like this has got to be like Berkeley big game. Sadly, it's not. I'll tell you a little bit more about how I arrived at these specific lines later on. It has to do with Uh, trout. (laughs) Um, Okay. Then let me go trilene XL. No. Here's the problem. I was looking for four-pound test mono. (laughs) <laughs> and so do not use that filter. Um, that would be cheating. <laughs> there is not that right. much four pound test mono that Tiger Warehouse sells. Um, also, they don't sell four pound test Trilene XL, which is what I wanted to buy. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I wanted to bu- get myself like a 300 yard spool of four pound Trilene XL. They don't sell it. So then I got to go with Stren. Okay, uh. let me read another review. I'm just rifling through, like, the only models I know. The kinds of, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, this is a good one. It's got walleye in it. I have switched oh, completely to blank after being continually disappointed with both Stren and Trilene for years. <laughs> I fish with the six pound on a five foot ultralight. When hung up, I can literally pull my boat across the lake with it to the snag. Best mono I have ever used. I use it for all applications, from lake walleyes to chasing brown trout in the streams to ripping bass out of timber. Good stuff. All my fishing buddies are always asking me what line I'm using. Uh, Okay, so then, given the two brands that he threw out there, is it suffix, uh, like whatever there's, elite mono? Yes! It is, (laughs) Kyle! (laughs) <laughs> anyway, oh gosh i think mono monofilament line reviews are absolute gold <laughs> as far as i can tell like there's about a 50 percent chance it's amazing um dude i just clicked into the suffix elite uh thing on tackle warehouse mm-hmm. there are so many reviews for it <laughs> dude there's a ton of them um i by the way side note uh I did almost buy this, but I could only get a 1,000-yard spool of 4-pound test, and I decided that instead I would just go to Walmart and get some Trilene XL, because that's what I want. <laughs> oh, um, but I almost pulled the trigger on 1,000 yards of 4-pound for trap fishing. Wow. Uh, all right. We're moving over to some more, to some different line. Um, let's see. 
my favorite monofilament line, very durable and cost efficient, have pulled up Christmas trees with it and brushed against docks, and it holds. Wow. <laughs> um, love this line for all applications, from drop shot to Carolina rig. Please don't drop shot with mono. Jeez. <laughs> Amazing durability and strength. It beats the heck out of paying for high dollar fluorocarbon. <laughs> beats the heck out of it. Yeah, it beats the heck out of it. <laughs> um, this is a great alternative to expensive fluorocarbon to get a crankbait down deep. For years I have used this line for carp fishing, and I can't remember ever breaking off. Very strong line. Oh. <laughs> uh, the last review... I have been a blank fan for a long time. I really have no use at all for mono lines, but lately I've been putting the blank blank to the test. One thing I like is the durability of it. I'm using this in just about everything from running lipless cranks to finesse applications all the way to flipping heavy vegetation. No! <laughs> and what? all I can say is wow. Also, it has that traditional blank not strength. I can honestly say, try it today. Guys, wow, you've got to stop flipping grass with <laughs> mono. Don't do it. You're going to kill me. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, man. Okay. So, that my, my first thought, uh, again, just because I hadn't said it yet, would be like Trilene XT. I mean, it's not, but I think that's a great line. <laughs> Love it, especially when I got a flip. And I want to use <laughs> right? Like I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm flipping with it. Maybe I'm going with like the tough monofilament. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. If you uh, want to use the filter and look for some four pound mono line, you can, um, or you can keep I guessing. I feel like what? Uh, I, I I don't even know who else makes monofilament. <laughs> I mean, uh, I didn't either, okay? I'm just a Trilene XL, man. Is this like a... Uh, I don't know. They don't, they don't make it. Well, do they? Sunline does make mono. Um, but they just make... I think it's like maybe the Supernatural. And they don't make it in a four-pound test. I feel like they should uh, make it in a four-pound test. I would, I would love to buy some Sunline four-pound yeah. mono. <laughs> Let's try wouldn't know what hit them. <laughs> I feel like does high seas make mono? I think they do, but cool. this is not it. Oh, okay. Gosh, I'm more. My mind just can't get off. Oh, is it vicious? No, sorry. Oh, dang. Use the uh, use the filter. Filter okay. for four pound, and go from there. Let's. let's you gotta hone this. in. Here we go. Uh, let's see. Let me go down here. Oh, is this Stren? Yes, it is. Stren <laughs> Magnathan. Magnathan. <laughs> um, uh, I see what you mean by don't filter it because it got pretty quick, like, or it got pretty easy real quick. Yeah, it's like you you get to neon lime and clear blue, which you know I'm not clicking on to read a review anyway. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. I should click on this clear blue one and see what it says because it could be some phenomenal night. Oh, there's no reviews. Aww. This is a tragedy. Um, <laughs> let's see if there's one for the neon line. 
Nope. <laughs> so anyway, I found the two reviews, two very <laughs> heavily reviewed lines. Well, definitely Suffix Elite was heavily reviewed. The Magnathan, less so. But that's uh, that's it right there, baby. Wow. Wow. Um, now, Kyle, you didn't bring us any Tackle Warehouse products this week. That's okay. I forgive you. Um, I'll come prepared next week. Next week? Yeah. Yep. We... It's just too much fun. Um, anyway, do you want a quick Neely Henry update? Sure. All right. Uh, somebody Hayes is in the lead. He has nine pounds, seven ounces. I would say at least nine people have weighed in. Uh, well, I think right. at least ten people have weighed in. A co-angler has more weight than the pros. He has ten pounds, one ounce. Oh, baby. Uh, so it looks like it's going to be a barn burner at uh, Neely Henry. But keep in mind, they only just started. Jordan Lee hasn't weighed in yet, so, you know. <laughs> There's a lot a lot left to go here. Yeah. Some dude here, I can't see literally. I can see, like, the tip of their nose. Oh, I thought he had a good bag. He only had 7.12. Never mind. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, what else did we have here? Uh, email? Oh, yeah. Do you... Have you dug up this inter- email or taken the time to? Or should I look no, for it I, again? I can... Uh, I think I got it right here. All right. Yeah, I got it. You ready? Yes, I'm ready. I think this is the right one. It's from like a while ago, right? It's from a while ago. It's got, you know, cute animals. Yep. Uh, so, he says... Uh, this is from our buddy Lucas who I think everyone uh, probably familiar with at this point. We appreciate you, Lucas. Um, hey, guys, been a hot minute. Wondering on what you guys know about sight fishing clearwater smallmouth. Uh, I keep seeing them and spooking them before I get a chance to cast. Uh, it's a new lake uh, I've been trying, and it's very bare slash sparse uh, with small shallow flats around the bank and then steep drops to 10-plus uh, feet deep, with the deepest being 29. Uh, the lake is entirely sand. Visibility is like 9 to 11 feet. Um, he's managed two fish in four trips on the Marabou jig. Both were PBs, so that's a plus, he says. Uh, the lake is 2.3 miles from top to bottom. Uh, the deeper spots are 15 to 30 feet, and the sandy spots are 2 to 6. Uh, he says, P.S. Hasn't been a lot of smallmouth talk or tackle warehouse game since the tournament started up again. Winky face. Uh, we apologize for that, Lucas, but we're going to change that. We're going to do right by that uh, going forward. But I guess we should wrap about, you know, maybe how Lucas should uh, approach this body of water. Uh, sounds like, very much sounds like you are ready to tell him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, like lakes like that that are kind of featureless in terms of structure and clear are like really intimidating to fish uh generally i think you gotta just i mean unless you want to like you know spend a bunch of time dragging all that deep water trying to catch one i think you just gotta go all in on that shallower bite and i think the hair jig is a perfect thing i think a spy bait would crush uh like that that would probably be the two things i would really have rigged up and then like a drop shot or a Ned for a follow-up bait. Like, if you get one to chase something in. You could also throw, like, a topwater early in the evening. 
or early in the morning or evening. Um, just a like a simply covering water standpoint. Uh, but I think you got the right the right mindset. I think if you can't fish morning or evening and you got some wind, just fish any of the wind blown stuff, uh, and just keep moving and grooving. I think, uh, Jody, you said last time Lucas fished out of a kayak, right? Yes. Yeah. So again, I think like you're doing the right thing. Cast wine, but I think a spy bait would be something I would really uh, give a shot. Basically, make as long of a cast as you can, get that away from the boat, and you know just wind. I think is a a nice thing. I think in those environments too, like those fish can see so well that if they're going to eat, you know they'll come over and take a look at it. You could probably throw a swim bait around like on some of those drops. Uh, it looks like on the little map you sent us the little screenshot of it of the lake that there's you know some points. Uh, which again, you could probably roll a swim bait around, but I think keeping something like up in the water column, like that hair jig or a spy bait, would be super juicy. Yeah, I think I agree with you pretty well, right, Eli? Yeah, you, you, Eli agrees. Yeah. Oh dang, this guy at Neely Henry's got a couple big ones. Um, Ooh, but uh, I, I think that yeah, like try to catch them before you see them if you can, um, and uh, kind of roll with the uh, the wind and whatnot, and. Um, he might have only had just a couple big ones, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I'm not like wildly familiar with that type of lake, um, because like by and large in the Northeast, you know, our smallmouth like they pretty well in the summertime. Anyhow, a lot of them go kind of deeper. You know, it's you can mm-hmm. fish a lot more vertical, um, but that's obviously not the uh, case there. I think the top you know, water is. I think the top water is a cool bet if you get the right yeah. conditions. Um, well, or case, jerk bait too. Uh, a jerk bait for way. sure. Yeah, I think uh, case in point, Rob and I after day five um, went and fished that Clark Lake in Door County. It's like one of the only two lakes that's actually in it. in the Land Peninsula of uh, that Sturgeon Bay area, but. It's kind of like this. Uh, it's clear, not a lot of structure. There's some grass, uh, but it's basically like a big bowl. And uh, we launched the boat. We saw a few smallmouth swimming around shallow and fished for a while. Didn't really have any takers. Then in the evening, as that light got a little lower, we were throwing, I was throwing like a, that little 90 Chapo, Berkeley Chapo, and Rob was throwing a popper. And we started crushing them on topwaters. Uh, but we had been throwing them for a while. Never really had any follows. But, like, that light got low enough that all of a sudden, now they probably couldn't see us. Like, because we were getting them to eat it a little closer to the boat. But also, they just started chewing. So, uh, Rob did catch a few on a spy bait, though, while it was still light out. And I was throwing, like, a hair jig. And I pretty much was trying to live and die by a... I can't remember if it was a repo man or what he had on, but I just wanted to see one eat a topwater. Uh, but that spy bait was juice when the sun was up still, and then as the sun started getting a little lower, they just started crushing a topwater, and it was awesome. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. So there you go, Lucas. Yeah, now, now he knows everything you need to know. Uh, if someone else wants to email us, where can they? 
Oh, you can hit us up, podcast at flwfishing.com. We love hearing from you. And thank you, Lucas. Yeah. Uh, obviously, your email is more likely to be answered if it includes uh, cute animal <laughs> photos. <laughs> it doesn't hurt. It absolutely doesn't hurt. Yeah. Uh, with, but, I mean, folks know that, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess that pretty much does it, would you say, Mr. Uh, Mr. Kyle Wood? I, I think so, man. I think uh, next week we'll... Uh, We'll talk some more fishing. Maybe you and I will have been out fishing. And, uh, you know, we're going to keep rolling into uh, September here. I like it. Well, uh, folks, we got a lot of tournaments going on. Uh, thankfully, for they're not quite as high stakes. Uh, so we get to, I don't say slack off, but we don't have to travel a tremendous amount coming up. Um, so we should be steadier on the podcast front, uh, at least for a while. And uh, thanks for listening. And uh, I don't know, we'll be back next week. Yeah. And uh, everyone enjoy your Labor Day weekend. Until next time, see you.